birthday to Canadian Puxedo. We are 10 episodes deep. I checked before because I know me and you had, had got our wires crossed when we tried to introduce the last podcast, but we are at 10 and we have a big guest today. Huge, huge guest. I, I mean, Jonathan Torrance is on the show and uh, it was such a delightful interview. We have already recorded it. We talked a little bit about the Oilers. He gave some pandemic advice that almost made me cry. Yep. Yeah, I've already decided that uh, if the Leafs get, like, upset or something, he's going to be the first person I reach out to and be like, you got to talk me through this, man. <laughs> you gotta, he's he's going to be the first guy I reach out to and be like, hey, man, have you got a minute? Because I don't know if you saw the score, but so it, it was great. Well, when we started doing this, I almost forgot that because – in the season, it's always all fun and well to be analytical and be like, what's going on here? What are the trends? What players are doing well? But in the playoffs, all of the sanity just goes out the window. It just, everything goes crazy. I'm like, Max Talbot scored two goals. He's the best fucking player in the league, you know? So I think it, he's kind of a perfect guest to have on the week before. Like next week, we'll do a proper playoff show. Uh, and it's going to get stressful, and it's going to get weird. I don't know if we do anything proper around here, Matt, but we will do a playoff show. What do you mean? This is a, this is a, this is a solid operation. Well-oiled machine. Yeah. This is a ride on lawnmower. Oh, I just did a callback to an uh, interview we haven't played yet. Fuck, you're right. We do <laughs> suck. Oh, damn it. Damn it. All right. Well. <laughs> oh, yeah. Spoiler. Spoiler. Yeah. Well. Imagine if someone turned it off because they're like, oh, you're ruining the conversation. <laughs> I'm just no surprised that they're talking about a ride on lawnmower. Okay, so this this week, here's what we're going to do. We have Jonathan Torrance on to talk about the, oh, yes. Jonathan Torrance is going to come on to talk about the Oilers and just honestly just talk a bit of shit. Talk a, and uh, it's a pretty easy breezy interview. Next week, we're going to get serious. Nick Nemiroff is going to come on, a Montreal Canadian, and we're going to preview the Leafs and the Hamps, and also the Jets and the Edmonton Oilers. So, or should we start this? I mean, we got to start with McDavid with 100 points. We can't, you know, yeah. that's the lead story here. Yeah. How is he that? got four and four in one night to get it, too. That's I the know. coolest thing. Yeah. Right? He's like, yeah, no, I'm getting them all. It's, it's Saturday night, Hockey Night in Canada. I'm doing it. I'm getting 100 tonight. Like, get out of my way. Mm-hmm. Uh, watching that game, I thought of one thing I want to see added to the skills competition whenever an All-Star game comes back. I want them to add a crash mat at the end of, like, the Zamboni door, and they get players to skate as fast as they can into it and measure the impact. Because McDavid was clipping around the ice at, like, 55 kilometers an hour. Like it's yeah. gotta be, it's gotta be on level of like a an automobile accident at this point if he runs into something. Oh yeah, he so would be. He would, I want he would be a ticket if he were if he were yeah. on the Trans Canada so Highway. People, uh, people at TNT, feel free to reach out to me, and uh, you want that demand at the All Star Game. I have a game idea. Okay. Skates on bouncy castle. <laughs> Moving on. All right. So McDavid has. Uh, 53 games, he put up 100 points. If you put up 100 points at all, that's crazy. Our producer just asked, wouldn't it just pop? Uh, that was the joke I was going for. I guess I was a bit too subtle. Too subtle on the old on the old humor here today. <laughs> but yeah, that's what I was going for. <laughs> um, 
So he's got like, that's like 1.8 points a game. So I do think that it's important to look at this in an 82 game pace because it really brings it home. Like that's how many points is that? That's 154 points. That is fucked. That is, it's unlike anything we have ever seen before. I think he's got like a 30 point window on the next guy. That's not his teammate still. I think third in the points race now is Mitch Marner, and I think McDavid's got like 30 points of cushion there, which is a pretty respectable season in 56 games. Yeah. It's not superstar level, but it's contributing, you know. There's no slouch, I'll tell you that, if you got 30 points in 56 games. I don't know if I've seen an athlete at all dominate on this level. I'm actually genuinely trying hard to think if I have, you know, I mean, I guess – I, well, no, let's stick to the NHL because you can tell yourself in knots here being like, oh, yeah, well, fucking Claude Van Dusen destroyed the shot putt for six years. That's a made-up name. I'm way up. I knew you were going shot putt before you said a word. I was like, what? he's going shot putt here. I have no idea. I was like, he's going, he's going shot putt for sure. No, but for him to do that, in an, it's, it's yet at one, yet another thing that it's devastating that there's no fans in the crowd. Two, the Oilers aren't good. They are a good team because of McDavid. But if McDavid was out, they, I don't know if they'd be a playoff team. And Connor McDavid is just single-handedly, like the fact that, I think if you, he should be nominated for the Hart Trophy for, all three slots. They should not nominate anyone else. I think, yeah, and the other two guys that get nominated for this, literally, they got to have that, like, wink meme behind them. It's like, instead of showing the player, it's like, Connor McDavid, and then this player, and it's just that wink instead of the player, that wink meme, and then the second player that gets nominated. So I guess Austin Matthews and Patrick Kane are the guys I think it's going to be. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and just don't even – just no-sell them. Like, don't even say their name. Just say, like, and uh, some Austin fella and some Patrick fella. But you mentioned that you don't think without McDavid the Oilers are a playoff team, and I want to use that uh, to talk about a team that I think, if you adjust to an 82 season, an 82 game season, become a playoff team, and that's the I know where you're going. Yes, I know where you're going. I think that's I think I I just based on what we have seen of them in the last 10 or 11 game stretch, they have. All of the vibe of a team that has a bunch of young guys that are now figuring out what it takes. And we've seen young teams do this time and time again and will themselves into the playoffs over an 82-game season. The early Crosby-Pittsburgh Penguins did it. The early Alex Ovechkins-Washington Capitals did it. The Carolina Hurricanes, when they were the Cardiac Canes that made it to the semifinals uh, in 2009, did it. Uh, the Leafs did it. They lost to Matthews' rookie year. Like, you see teams go on this heater, and I think Ottawa had everything in the world there in terms of tools in the toolbox to do that. And makes me interested to see what they're going to put together next year. I agree. I am going to put a pin in the sands because we're going to get to them. But okay. I think you're dead on about everything that you said. And uh, I'm going to use your last point as a jump off. Because okay. the other thing that happened, Austin Matthews hit 40 goals in a 53-game season. Also insane. Yeah. And, and I don't say that lightly that, that I say that McDavid is a shoe in for the heart because Austin Matthews is having a heart-worthy season. It's just that there's a guy who is not – 
you ever play a video game and you're like, oh my God, medium is way too easy, but hard is way too hard. McDavid feels like he's on medium and it just doesn't seem that fun anymore. Uh, the other thing, the only reason that I say the, his team is that Dreisaitl is, while he's putting up massive points, his five-on-five play is still uh, kind of lagging behind. They got a lot of glass cannons on that team. Uh, Tyson Berry, uh, I mean, I do have to give him some credit here. It would, frankly, be wrong not to because we have been very hard on him. I would argue rightfully so. But he has three games, I think, to catch up uh, Adam Fox to... Uh, I think be the leader for the scoring race for a defenseman. And don't get me wrong, his de- he's an awful defender. He's had awful defensive results. But it's still quite an accomplishment to be the top scoring team in the league. Huge. Yeah. And I think that, that nets you... <clears throat> That nets you the uh, the Norris almost like a gimme at this point. Like if you lead the defenseman in points, that's your gimme. Like that's the that's the Norris caliber uh, right now. So I think if he does go from uh, reject and cast away in Toronto to Norris winner, uh, just ninety percent of the hockey media will love it. I. I can't imagine they're going to give him the Norris. I think that would be uh, horrendous. But, yeah, McDavid, 29 points in the last 10, 16 points in the last five games in May. That's it sounds like a Jim Cuddy song. Uh, but, I mean, you got to give him credit. It's Frankly, it's it's shocking to watch, and I'm, I'm proud of him. But Matthew's uh, looking real good. And I think that he would have got 60, 60 on pace for like 60 goals. That's like with an injury, right? Yeah, actually, it's funny that you mentioned the injury. Like, uh, there were games where he couldn't hold on to a stick when he was battling that injury midway through the season. Like, right, he couldn't and, and, pull, like, yeah. and the analytics guys all say that being able to hold your stick is, like, pretty important. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I would think so. But, like, he couldn't uh, – yeah, he couldn't get a good grip on it. So, And everyone's like, why is he uh, – you know, they they moved him on the power play during that stretch, and everyone was like, "Why is he not in that same position?" And it's like, I don't know, man. Maybe it's because he's broken. Yeah, <laughs> like quite literally. So to see, I, I it's just a, a historic season in terms of putting up numbers and filling the puck in the net. It's been fun, unbelievably fun to watch. I think twelve of his goals are game winners, which can't be understated. No. That's 24 points in the standings right there. If clutch is real, he's it. I don't know. I'm not sure if uh, being clutch is a real thing or if that's just like a kind of small sample size kind of fun thing to talk about. But if it is, the guy's it. And what? And I, to a counterpoint on the dry sidle thing, Mitch Marner is, I honestly think it's gotten to the point that he's become underrated. He is putting up so McDavid Tuesday. in adjusted points right right now. McDavid and or sorry, Marner and Matthews are one and two in adjusted points all time for the history of the Toronto Maple Leafs. The fucking history. That is crazy. And Marner has actually been very cold on the power play. I think he's got like one, maybe two power play goals. He's not putting up power point power play points at all. He's destroying things. Uh, at even strength and on the PK, it's stunning. It is absolutely stunning to watch. Uh, I'm glad we got to Marner because he also has a new haircut that made the news today. Uh, more importantly, Jack Campbell's quote about it, and I think everyone needs uh, a Jack Campbell in their life. Jack Campbell on Mitch Marner's hair. I love the mullet. 
I think it looks fantastic on him. He's a superstar, and he has a rock star haircut. I love it. That comes from Christian Shilton's Twitter. And, uh, like, you gas up a mullet that much is just we go back to the uh, the well that is how wholesome Jack Campbell is. Yeah. Marner, Marner someone, I can't remember which reporter said this, so forgive me, but they said that when Austin Matthews got drafted, Marner was at a concert in Toronto, and everyone at the concert started chanting Austin Matthews, and Marner also started chanting Austin Matthews. He was like, I guess so I'll do this too. I did a little bit of research on that, and I wanted to know which concert it was. So awesome. The I've night never before, been happier with you than I am right now. The, <laughs> the night before. So I, I, if, if I had like two minutes with Mitch Marner, I'm asking him this question in all seriousness. Which concert was it? Because if it's the night before the NHL draft, it was a Hall & Oates concert, which is the Leafs' goal song right now. You make my dreams come true. If yep. it was the night of the concert, it's a, a Luke Bryan concert, which is not the Leafs' goal song. So I'm wondering if he might have got the dates mixed up and it was the night before and that's where the goal song comes from. Uh, excuse me while I adjust my tinfoil hat and go back to my board here with thumbtacks and red string all over it. I don't think that's tinfoil hat, Charles. I think that's rock-solid research on your part. So I think you should give yourself some credit there. Thank so we'll we said we, were gonna, we weren't going to talk about the Leafs too much uh, because we're going to be talking about the, the playoff teams for every week uh, until they're, they're gone. Mm-hmm. So let's get into the three teams that we are saying goodbye to. I thought we should start with Ottawa because we already teed them up, but I think it's right to start with Calgary just because they're not officially out yet and they're still fighting. We've done this time and time again. We've got three weeks of this. The yep. song and dance. By the time you hear this, the flames will have blown it. 3%, 3% odds on Money Puck right I, now. Three. I don't know what they do to turn this around in, in Calgary. I just I think they're hell-bent on blowing up what they have, which, I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty, but I think getting rid of Sam Bennett is an obvious mistake. Mm-hmm. They weren't, definitely weren't using him to the best of his capabilities if Florida is any indication. Johnny Gaudreau is another guy that they, like, quite literally, I think their GM is calling the cab to get him to the airport, or he might drive him himself. I think that's a mistake. Yup. Dude, Johnny yeah. Gaudreau's at a 30-goal pace. Exactly. And quite frankly, like, I know I've made jokes and jokes and jokes about the Sutter hiring, but what the fuck is that? Like, why is he there for three years? I've, See, I agree that that contract is too long. I don't, I don't. I'm not as hard on stuff like that, just because I think that there's no like it won't affect a salary cap or anything like that. So it's just you're burning some of the owner's money if that's what it, if you go if you want to get them. And also, Calgary, if you look at their underlying numbers, I don't know when this happened, but suddenly they're looking pretty unlucky. Also, and that's that's fair. They've been I, and I they've been wanna... good. We we pan the Sutter, and I think it's fair to say this. But we pan the Sutter hiring, but they've been better since. They have turned it around a little bit, but they're just again they're one of these teams that uh, when you're counting on them, or when you think just when you think they're going to turn the corner or turn ahead, they just fall flat on their face. And back to the Sutter thing for just a second. Don't you just, like, knowing what you know with the coaching market, like, there was talk that Rod Brindamore was going to be on the market. Uh, There was talk, well, Rick Tockett and John Tortorella confirmed. Don't you just run the clock out on the coach you have and go after one of those guys? Am I insane for thinking that? Uh, Insane for dropping John Tortorella as a possibility? Yes, my friend, you are insane. Yes, 100%. Uh, 
He he was pulling a Costanza game the whole thing. He was the whole time he was trying to get canned. So look, I don't know. I, I it's eleven. They they're eleven and fourteen under Sutter. So I'm not saying that I would not. No, would I have hired him? No, but. All the underlying numbers indicate that Calgary is a team that if the pucks rolled a little differently, they would be doing better. I think that, uh, that Markstrom had a really rough start. He's 31. He's on for five more years. I'm not ready to rule him out as a starting goalie. I think he is. I think he's a caliber goaltender. I think the issue in Calgary this year is you always need – like, I think a lot of people talk about, like, people talk about Toronto and people are like, oh, yeah, they got some some leadership around them, and now they're good. I think really what's happening in Toronto, mostly, frankly, one, TJ Brody studying up the blue line, and two, the younger guys taking another step. That's really why. I mean, I'm not saying yeah. that it's not nice to look down the bench and see Wayne Simmons, but I think with Calgary, you got these guys like, okay, you got Dylan Dubé, you got Valimaki, you got Hannafin, uh, Rasmus Anderson. All these guys were fine. But you really want one or two of them, not to be a star, but to be like, whoa, this guy is just really taking it to another. They didn't have any of their young guys make a no. jump that they needed. And I so think every that now and then, Every now and then you need a guy to have a career year, and I don't think that was happening to anybody in Calgary this year. I, I haven't really crunched the numbers over the 82-game span, but I don't think that is the case, unless you could say Sam Bennett is, but he's Well, Sam Bennett career. is, and you know who else yeah. is? Everyone's favorite whipping boy, Johnny Goudreau, Johnny is having Goudreau. his second-highest so, yeah. goal-scoring like, lead, exactly. and he's been scoring key goals, too. And the thing is, like again, you, you go back to they can't get these guys out of town fast enough, which ultimately, that's going to come on the GM. At some, some point, he's going to have to pay the tab there. I'm wondering about that myself. And it's, yeah. I think another thing that's really interesting in Calgary is the defense. Uh, it's really tricky what's going on there with one. I think that, I don't know how sustainable this is, but by underlying metrics, TJ Brody has been one of the best defensemen in the league this year in the league. And they, they lost him. They let him go uh, and they picked up Tanev. Now Tanev has been quite good. I'm not criticizing Tanev, but Calgary to me looked like a team that was a bit shook up this year. And you lost a guy who I think is one of the steadiest defensive players, I guess, in the league. And I think that that hurts a little bit. Uh, one of the cruelest things I heard in the free agency window was directed at Brandon Tanev. Uh, no, it's, is it Chris Tanev? Chris Tanev, his brother is Brandon. Chris Tanev, yeah. Brandon's the brother. Chris Tanev in Calgary. Uh, because he logged a lot of heavy minutes for the Canucks. And yep. uh, they signed him. They locked him up to a multi-year deal. And the first thing that was said on one of the panels was, I don't know if he's got that much tread left on the tires. Yeah, he's very <laughs> injury-prone. Yeah, that was one of the cruelest things I've seen said about a guy that just signed a contract. It's like, I don't know if he got much tread left on the tires. I do think that is cruel, but I don't think it's an unfair thing to say just because of his injury history and the fact that it looks like his game has been trending downward. So they got the expansion draft coming up. They have Giordano, Tanov, Hannafin, and Anderson. Mark Giordano is 38 years old. Are you going to use one of your protected slots on him? Because I think people keep talking about Calgary that's like, we got to shift up this core. And they're talking about moving guys like Monahan and Goodrow. Is it not a better time, let me just throw this out there, to maybe move on from your captain? I know that Kachuk didn't have the best year, but it is his team long-term. Or I mean, it certainly seemed like it was before this year. 
let that guy take it over, let Gio go somewhere else, maybe sell Backlund. Backlund is 32 and just keep getting younger. I, I, I think that would be the, the, obviously the smartest move to make. Um, you run the risk though. Like the, I don't know if that coach is going to want to give ice time to young guys. Uh, and I'm going to double back to that. I also, I'll do you one better on Geo, man. Like, maybe he eyes retirement at this point. I doubt that. I, I, I no? would, man, I don't think a 38-year-old man comes in here, plays in an empty arena for a year, and then goes. I don't see it. I'll, I'll, I'll bring up Matt Niskanen. I mean, he's about the same age, and he was just like, yep, yeah, nope, I'm done. Not doing that again. But he didn't come <laughs> so, back at all, though. No, he didn't. He went to the bubble, and then he left and said, never again. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so if, the, the Canucks, what do you these, think? Yeah. Oh, no, sorry, buddy. Go ahead. I yeah, so all, all I'm thoughts. saying is, like, if, yeah, it's okay. If, if there's all these shakeups coming, like we think in Calgary, and you're 38 years old, staring at the barrel of retirement eventually, do you, you know, you retire twice, you retire the first time you think about it, and then you retire when you actually do. If there's all these changes coming and they're shipping up the young guys, I don't know if you want to go through a rebuild at 38. I'm not saying get rid of all – I'm not saying that they should get rid of uh, just go young completely. I think that yeah. it's just – I think I'd look at moving the older guys and letting the younger guys fill up that space just to see what that core you have. Because you know what? If they can't carry the load, you got bigger problems anyway. So if you can, if you can sell now and get something for them, I think that's the way to go. So the Canucks, they lost 10 of this year. And my mm-hmm. God – They've been the worst team in the division this year. I mean, of course, there's the asterisks of, one, the entire COVID situation, and two, they did lose their best player. Pedersen didn't play for basically the whole season, so we can't just pretend that didn't happen. But my God, if we're going to talk about glass cannons, that team is – there's no one can defend on that team. Every time you bring up glass cannon, I start to think you're bringing up glass tiger, and I'm like, where's he going with this? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but uh, one, one thing that people kind of forget about with respect to Vancouver is early in the season, their goaltending situation was uh, not great. Hot pretty, garbage. Pretty, pretty bad, actually. And, like, Braden Holpe came in as the veteran presence of a two-year deal, and they kind of wanted to do a tandem 1A, 1B. But they went a little too heavy on the one A, and they're like, "Well, we'll give them, we'll give them the first starts. We brought them here for a reason." They were terrible. They were atrocious. They were not good, and they kept giving them starts to try to find his game. And Christ, it uh, it just didn't happen. And then Demko comes in and and you know gives them the only like steady play that they've they've had. But Hope he did get better as the year went on, and of course, coming out of their interruption. But uh, oh, sweet suffering, fuck, was their goalie ever bad, man? Was he ever just on like their goal? Whole... They did have bad goaltending, but it is, I would say, it is unfair to say they were sunk by their goaltending because they got plunked in possession all year long, man. It's it's just that that team can't defend. And, and I mean, talk about old guys that uh, you're not sure if they're there to keep, but like you got Edler and Hamannick and Sutter all coming out. They seem like, I mean, Hamannick, maybe they'll keep, but uh, Edler, the wheels fell off him this year. I'm not sinking much cap space into him next year. Sutter, I think, God, buddy, I don't know. It's, 
they also have to, they got to resign Hughes. They got to resign. Um, they have to resign Patterson. I think they might have gotten a little lucky though, because if you were to talk about the playoffs last year and be like, man, Patterson and Hughes are taking them to the bank. Now they yeah, come off this atrocious season. I bet between them they save three million based on what they're going to have to pay those guys. I, I think I think they saved the offset of the uh, the cap penalty they had to pay from their goalie retiring a bit too young. Um, because there's a there's a two million dollar cap penalty there. One more uh, year. One more year. So I think they saved that amount. Um, their famous goalie, Eddie Lack. <laughs> <laughs> no, Roberto. Charles. We know we're all talking about Rabubu Lalongo, your favorite <laughs> Roberto man Luongo. whose name you cannot help but pronounce. Roberto Luongo, God bless his soul. I love that oh, man. And I, you know what? I love him. I don't mind. He's still getting paid. Sucks for the Canucks, but uh, I'll chip in. Whatever. He's the best. Big fan. Um, I think something positive, Hoaglander looked like he's like, they got. They found a top six player there. He looks real good. They do have, like I said, a bit of money coming off the books. I think my real problem with Vancouver is uh, Jim Banning has to go. This has to be the oh, end yeah. of the Jim Banning yeah. of it all. Because they still have next year, and this is his fault. They still got Beagle at three million, Roussel at three million, Tyler Myers three more years at six million. That's a that's twelve million right there. You got five million you're paying for Louis Erickson unless they put some type of LTIR shenanigans. It's not paying your stars that gets you. It's giving these guys mm-hmm. who are replacement level three million bucks. The hits keep coming. Jim Banning is also like he traded Adam Goddett, who he's who has looked pretty good in Chicago, and it came out that he had all year he had like digestive issues, couldn't eat, and he would vomit, like Ooh. just constantly. And then it's like, how many guys like this? And I think about this in in the sense of the pandemic and guys' mental health too. It's like you think a guy is having a terrible year, and then it turns out that he's hurt. Or something like that. Like, man, if you're throwing up, like, think about if I threw up before this podcast. The podcast, I would do a worse job somehow. <laughs> and, well, also, it's like, you're throwing up and you can't digest anything. Your body's not getting nutrients. And I'm pretty sure elite-level athletes need nutrients. That's I think what the analytics Benning's, That's what the analytics say. I think Jim Benning's term is kind of being sunsetted because he's not – at any pressers anymore like he's just like travis green has kind of taken the uh, the duty of speaking to the media fully yeah. now it seems so i, I kind of think it's like uh we'll give you the end of the year but clean you know when the season's done clean out your office type which deal. i think is the right way to do it i don't have a problem with that I, at all yeah i, I have i don't think this is the year to bring in an interim gm i, I just don't think that's the that's the move at this point now, in the finest tradition of this podcast, we are going to close with the Ottawa Senators, who I've actually come to enjoy this little segment we do every week. And I'll say one thing right off the top. If this Senators team did not wear Senators jerseys, I'd be like, what a fun, plucky little team. I like this little band of fellas. They're, there's something about a young team that's just easier to like. That will change, I'm sure, as they age. Brady Kachuk makes me crazy, but man, that guy's good. Put the C on him yesterday. Uh, I agree with that. I, the one thing, the, the one thing about the Ottawa Senators, like, and I did allude to them earlier that they would have made the playoffs in an, in an 82 game season. I think, I think there's room to grow. I think there's room for them to actually be a team that competes. It might be a little bit more difficult because the divisions might go back to normal next season. 
or, or go back to, you know, not just being the same eight, nine teams. But that might play in their favor too, because I think what happens with these younger teams is teams just underestimate them. I mean, mm-hmm. teams have done that this year time and time again, and they're only playing six other opponents. And, and they don't know how to read them. There's no scouting report on a young guy. There's Yeah, like it's it's been, it's been really fun to watch them this late in the season because every excuse in the book for them to just pack it up and fold and, you know, play like a Detroit or a Columbus or anything like that, I'm sure their fan base is probably tearing their hair out like the diehards because their draft odds are getting worse and worse and worse. But it's still kind of fun. Um, oh, no, I think they're not. I think they will oh, be okay. tearing their hair out. The reason that uh, the Sens fans that I talk to are not doing that is because mm-hmm. I've cheered for – I remember there was a year that, I don't know, JSL Band went on this crazy run, and the Leafs were this old team. They never made the playoffs. They still sucked. But they went on a big run, and they screwed their draft spot. The thing is, this Sens team is young. If you're watching your young guys succeed, I'm not really yeah. worried as much about losing a few draft slots. Don't get me wrong. That's of course I'd rather a higher pick. But I think it's a little easier when you got guys like Tim Stutzla, the youngest Sens player in history, to record a hat trick. If he lands a movie this summer, he's the youngest Sens player to ever turn into an actor. So that's possibly still an option. He can move the dig needle a little bit. In all seriousness, there's more. For, that guy fermenting, that guy can fucking fly. You talk about that weird game you made up where players skate to their deaths into a crash pad or something. That guy could, could crush that. Drake Batherson's been great. Josh yeah. Norris, I actually think, has a case to be said for the best rookie in the year. Brandstrom looks like the real deal. They have two power play quarterbacks with Shabbat. I got to say, man, if I'm picking between Vancouver, Calgary, and Ottawa, next year, I don't think I'm picking Ottawa. In five years, I think I am. And I'm going to come right back to it. Here's the asterisks. I'm making it with my finger. Got to cut the checks. They'll be a great yes. team in five years. They'll be a great yeah. team in five years if someone's willing to cut the checks. If they if yeah. they can pay their guys, yes. And we have we have crossed that cross that road, uh, and it is an we issue. Have, You're dead right. We've burned that bridge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's no Melnick guests on this podcast. But my Sens buddy, who I talked to today, he said, "You know, the Sens had a good season because no one has talked about Eugene Melnick, and that." I couldn't say it any better than that. He's dead on. Wow. If, yeah, if you're not is... talking about the worst owner in professional sports, you must be having a fun year. I, I don't know if he's the worst owner in professional sports. That's a big one. That's, I don't know. Well, maybe not. You know, but uh, I, I, has anyone checked out one of my favorite things? Like at the start of the year, Eugene Melanick announced his blog in which that he's not hands-on enough. He's going to, have a blog that follows the sins. Did he ever follow through on that? Yeah. Was... Oh, you you haven't I, read it? I have not read it. Is it it's, on him? Yeah, yeah, no, it's on www.creedthoughts.gov slash creedthoughts. <laughs> My favorite thing the Senators did this year is last week they were fucking lighting up the Canadians like six to one and they put on Fix You. That's so funny. Whoa. That's, yeah. yeah. Oh, boy. And like... I always thought that that was kind of an interesting choice for Montreal to like to start your warm up with a Coldplay song that started with when you try your best and you don't succeed. It's it's like, and you know what? I like it. I've been there live, and it's pretty exciting when it happens. But truly bizarre choice. Isn't it a cut without the lyrics though? Isn't it just an instrumental cut to fix you? 
I don't know. It's very possible that I was singing the lyrics and uh, I didn't notice that they weren't being played because I think that song's a banger. I cannot imagine that they would skate out to those lyrics. I've been there too, but it's all a haze. (laughs) I'm getting a note. Uh, Do you have anything else on the Senators you want to put in there? Uh, No, no, not really. Uh, Matt Murray, I don't know. That's... Put him in the Braden Holpe conversation of like, what yeah. the fuck are you going to do with this guy? It was a longer deal. Oh boy, that it is was a tricky. longer. Yeah, that's uh, you know, Matt Murray is like, what, 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 uh, what do you do with that? A lot of their success or future success hinges on that guy, and mm-hmm. oh. he's been better in the past. He had a horrible year, and in fact, he's had two horrible years. So next year, I think is, I think they give him the clean slate. So we're about to tee up Jonathan Torrance now. Uh, Okay, so Eugene, Mel- our producer just sent us a note. Eugene Melnick's last tweet is, let's talk about mental health and our kids. And then he never said anything again. So that's interesting. So before I tee up Jonathan Torrance, you've told me a bunch of your, your gambling exploits. I have to tell you one quick story, if you'll humor me, about my fancy hockey league. So I'm in a, f- a fancy hockey league with 14 comedians from Toronto. Uh, I tell them that penalty minutes is a bad stat and it should not be counted as a positive because it shouldn't. It's stupid. It makes your team worse. Why am I being rewarded for this? I tell them every year that they should do that and they should replace it with shots. Every year they roast me. Fucking (laughs) roast me. And it's not just people roasting me. These are professional comedians telling me to fuck off in the most horrendous, creative, hilarious ways. I take a licking in that league. And I say it every year that we should get rid of penalty minutes. So... On Saturday night, I am in the finals. I am at an enormous risk of losing in the finals, which I have already done this year, and it hurts real bad. I didn't want to do it again in this league. So I'm in this league, I'm in the finals, and it looks like I'm about to lose because I don't have enough penalty minutes. And then Sam Bennett and Anthony Sorelli fight each other. I get 10 penalty minutes, and I win the league through penalty minutes. And I hope it makes them fucking sick. (laughs) ladies and gentlemen the nicest man in canadian comedy we're thrilled to have him here please welcome jonathan dorns can can we start here did you debate the spelling of pucks in puxedo Yes, yes, that's a perfect way to start and yes it it was a two-day chat and i did a poll on instagram and everything democracy was involved (laughs) I just made the uh, joke in italics that I hope my plans for Croxtober aren't impacted by what's going on with COVID. And I debated for longer than I care to confess whether it should be Croctober, which sounds more like the original word, or Croxtober, which is a funnier word, if you ask me. So same with Puxedo. Like I can see arguments for both, and I'm curious as to why you landed where you did. I think, honestly, it just, we thought that people would get Puck because it was a hockey podcast. Uh, and then we kind of just settled You're on You're giving your audience a lot of credit. <laughs> I thought so, too. And I will say that uh, that what we really landed on was that we really overthought it and it wouldn't have mattered much either way. Right. We caved to a Twitter, or we caved to an Instagram poll. Right. So what was the margin Oh, good question. It was high, actually. The people wanted the X. Yeah. Mm. Back to Crocs. Some fun, some fun trivia. Peter Forsberg made a killing off Crocs in Sweden. Keep talking. 
He, he like got in on the ground floor of investing in Crocs before they were a thing just because hockey players were wearing really? them in the showers. And he made a killing off Crocs. Why, is there an umlaut over the O? Like, are they Crocs? <laughs> is that where they came from? I'm not sure. I just, I just remember reading about that because in 2008, me and my brother went on a trip to see the Ottawa Senators. And it was mm-hmm. November or December, and he only wore Crocs. And it was winter. He fell down a lot, and I was giving him the gears about Crocs. And then, like, three or four weeks later, this article comes out about Peter Forsberg and Crocs. And he sends it to him, and he's like, if they're good enough for Peter Forsberg, they're good enough for me. I love that I'm you not have being... a friend who falls down a lot. I love that you have a friend. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not being rude looking at my computer while you're talking. I'm going to bring it full circle because um, I am in possession of... You're a Leafs fan, right? Yes, absolutely. I'm in possession of a pair of sneakers that I bought at uh, London, Ontario's premier squash store called Of Courts. <laughs> and that's what I was looking up. Borea Salming squash shoes. No way. I'll, yeah, I'll send you guys a picture of them. I bought them because I mostly couldn't believe they existed. But he has his own unique line of squash shoes. So it's no uh, Forsberg Crocs story, but it is hockey related and shoe related. So I thought it felt, I thought it fit. That's what the intersection really we go for here. What the, all the Swedish Bjorn Borg had his own underwear. Also, I I had a pair. And uh, <laughs> did he? He, he did indeed. He did. Bjorn underwear. Bjorn Bjorn Derver. <laughs> What's beyond there? That was the commercial campaign, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, Ooh. yeah. Beyond underwear. Yeah, it's 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 been it's been good. We're doing our very best, and we're glad you're here. Thanks for thanks for coming. Much appreciate your time. What have you been doing for most of the pandemic? I was hoping you were going to say for most of the day because today is the first mow. Did the first mow of our grass today, and it, it was all hands on deck. It's heavy and it's wet. The Jonathan Torrin story. And a whole family was on the front lawn uh, raking. That's why I have a youthful glow. Um, yeah, it's one of those like times of year that I know you guys can relate to where it's kind of minus two in the morning and then 27 all of a sudden in the afternoon. So we got smoked on the rake shift. You have like a pretty big property there. So do you, got a, you have a ride-on mower? I do. So that's um, when I, I know I can retire from comedy. I'm gonna quit as soon as I can get a uh, get a lawnmower and, and buy it outright. I'm gonna be done. Well, it helped that my father-in-law was in the farm machinery business, so I had a bit of an inside thing. But I know that the margins are small on ride-on mowers, and I know that um, he will tell you any ride-on mower is gonna work just fine. But if it was up to him, he'd probably buy the one that's a few notches above the one you're looking at. Mm-hmm. That's the advice he would have for you. And he wouldn't be wrong. But I've had my hog for about 10 years now. Is it like wine in the sense that you don't want the cheapest one, but you don't want the most expensive one either? You want... Well, this is the phrase. Um, and you're talking to Buddy from Street Sense, so I've thought a lot about this. Fal- false economy, right? You can buy the cheapest thing and use it for one summer and have it uh, at a mechanic shop for half the next summer. Or you can buy something that's pretty decent run it for 10 years, and then, you know, it's probably still a better buy. 
Well done. I love it. What about the rest of the, uh, I keep calling it the break. It's so insensitive. It's not the break, but what do you, what would you, for the rest of this little life shutdown that we've all been going through? Uh, we've been calling it the pandy, which is sort of adorable. And it's again, not to, to cheapen or belittle it, but um, it's, it's a great reminder that I like the life that we live. We live on a dirt road. We live on a field, as you mentioned. We have lots of space. So life for us hasn't changed a whole lot. I'm certainly traveling less, but working from home more, which is something I never thought I'd be able to do. Um, so I'm actually doing okay. Good. Good to hear. I know that's, that's something you shouldn't necessarily say out loud, but um, really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. With all obviously, take the all... wins when you can get them, dude. Well, I guess that's the thing. Like I, I worked in Vegas three and a half weeks last February, so to come home and be able to work from home has been a rare luxury and not one that I ever imagined I would have. Interesting. So, so were you standing for Penn or Teller for three and a half weeks? I, I both. They've actually been hired on corporate gigs that I've done. This whole corporate world is bananas. I've done meetings for <coughs> uh, Domino's Pizza, 75,000 GMs and fran- or 12,000 GMs and franchisees from 79 countries all over the world. Try to tap into what what do people find funny? And uh, for a lover of a good pun, for example, or wordplay, it's too subtle for people that are wearing translator earmuffs. Um Guy in a pizza costume. Guy dressed as a slice of pizza. That is, though, if you're wondering what people find funny, that's the answer. Dazzies. <laughs> uh, how, okay, so you're an Oilers fan. You're our first Oilers fan. Really? Oh, you All brought your mug. Yeah. yeah. That is awesome. Yeah, well, we've, we've had a comedian from every fan base right now, except the Oilers and the Canadians who we're going to do next week. Who did you have for the Habs? Oh, you haven't Emma done the Habs. coming on. Oh, nice. I was wondering if it would be Alan Doyle or... Um, isn't Majumder a Habs fan? No, Majumder is a Leafs fan, actually. We, oh. were talking about, we were talking about Austin Matthews' first game on our last podcast, and I told him that I um, took my shirt off when he scored his fourth goal. And I never said that it was uh, Sean's apartment because it felt name droppy. But now that it's come up organically, uh, that that's what happened. Really? Yeah. I was just so overcome with this 19-year-old wonder, wonderkind that I just went, I had to go tarps off. So that was just a genuine reaction to what happened in that moment? Yeah, man. It just had to go. I love it. <laughs> I, I love it too, and I'm fascinated by it. I have a friend, Richard Garner, who was the first civilian on the field when Joe Carter hit the home run that won the Leafs the World Series. And he's in every piece of news footage you can see, like the guy who ran on the field while Joe was still touching them all. Like it, it's, so, um, it's so interesting to me, people's reactions in moments like that, especially when something else takes over. There's something, honestly, something beautiful about it, not about me taking my shirt off, but about just, there's, I think that's what I like about sports is, I think a lot of adulthood, and this is kind of speaks with comedy a lot, a lot as well, is just trying to have some kind of 
reconnection to your inner child a little bit and just have that thing where you're like, this is awesome. And I got to freak out and I didn't do anything about it. I just like that it happened. It's funny at my age, which is different than your age. I find it harder to remain engaged for extended periods of time because even a big milestone like McDavid getting his hundredth point was obviously a big deal to us, but it barely warrants a, yeah, you know. Yeah. I, I can't stay hooked. Do you think that, I mean, actually this was a, you could tell based on how the, how the seasons have been passed, but I have kind of had this kind of creeping thought where I don't get as excited, even though more exciting things are happening. And I wonder if it's because there's not tens of thousands of people in the audience. So I'm at home freaking out. But I'm, there's no one there freaking out. So if I'm freaking out, I'm like, oh, it's weird that I'm freaking out. But then I see, I'm like, no, no, thousands of people are also freaking out. So there's a bit of like, no, no, I'm not crazy. Or, or you've learned to manage your own expectations because the more that gets accomplished during the regular season just sets the slide down implosion mountain yeah. from even higher. We're scared. <clears throat> Well, yeah, I'm a little nervous. I'm not going to lie. Uh, my tweets might give it away about how nervous I am about the playoffs. But one thing I've been kind of wondering about is growing up, like just at the tail end of that Lemieux and Gretzky era where I was like fighting for sleep, you didn't know uh, as a kid, I didn't. And, and people that were watching it didn't know. They were probably watching history happen. And I wonder if that's kind of the same thing with this shortened season. If like it's, yeah, it's cool. Like I. I jumped up when Matthew scored his, his uh, 40th, but I left my shirt on. But uh, just the weight of it kind of – I'm like, yeah, okay, that's really cool. He got 40. But I think 10 years from now, it's going to be something that people talk about a lot more intensely than they are now. You mean people are like, man, I wish I had my time back so I could have took my tarp off. <laughs> I was in my own apartment too. <laughs> Nobody would judge me. <laughs> I feel like on the pro side – the Canadian division has allowed me to see more Oilers games because there are more happening in the Eastern time zone. That's been the big upside for me. Like, I get up so early that sometimes I'm up for the day in time for overtime. Like, it's not fun to watch Oilers Canucks when they start at 11, my time or whatever it is. Um, but on the downside, I don't know. I feel like I can drop into the Olympics and uh, see someone doing the luge who is wearing their grandfather's socks because that's what they've always done. And I, I can get more invested in the outcome faster. And I don't know, maybe it's because we know too much about these people, period. We're not um, learning interesting things game to game. Like we kind of know everything about these people, um, especially when they're living in a bubble. So I, I don't know. I'm not saying hockey has lost its luster, but I think maybe in the context of much bigger fish to fry in the world at this moment, I'm finding the outcome of Oilers Senators isn't keeping me up. Yeah. For the ninth time. Yeah. Will that change once it hits playoffs? Well, it usually does because the quality of play improves by many thousand percent. The intensity improves, but I kind of feel for them. It must be hard for them to play without fans there because the other night with the line brawl, the Rangers um, and Capitals, there's nobody there to watch. It must be so eerily quiet. I know. Because <laughs> even if you, even if there's a big, like there's just, it's such an, a, a strange thing in life that there's like, wow, 
I am in a fist fight, and not only am I in a fist fight, <laughs> but we're wearing skates, and four other sets of people are also in fist fights. But right. even if that happened at a bar, there'd be music on. Right. It's just quiet. Um, it's just quiet, and that's got to be kind of bizarre. Uh, broken up only by stick taps from your teammates. Like, you know what, guys? You might as well not bother to do that either, because no one's cheering. No one's ripping their tarps off for me. <laughs> Perhaps that's the eureka moment of hockey fighting now. Just the earth-shattering silence of a line brawl. And people are thinking, like, it's got to be a better way. It's got to right. be a better way. Wouldn't that well, be I so? Came... so? Sorry, go ahead. I came to Oilers fandom in the most roundabout of ways, actually via broadcasting, because Peter Zosky, host of Morningside on CBC Radio when I was a kid, wrote a book called The Game of Our Lives. Not to be confused with the game, the Ken Dryden uh, Canadian's book, but the game of our lives, he spent a year on the bus with the upstart Oilers when Gretzky was a rookie when they were in the WHL, just as they were getting in the NHL. And it's actually a great read now because it mentions like Paul Coffey might have a future if he can kind of get some confidence going, like knowing what they went on to do, um, just the lightning in a bottle of 1982 and the Oilers rolling into New York City with three days off. Like, you can almost hear, Mama see, Mama saw, Mama Kusa, Mama see. Like, you know, they're getting right into things. And Glenn Sather used to give them, if they're going into somewhere like New York, he'd purposely give them a couple days off to just kind of work it out of their system so that come game day, they'd be kind of back and ready. That's wild. It was a different time. So it was actually through literature that I came to the Edmonton Oilers not hockey, but it turns out it was a good time to become a fan. Obviously, those were the dynasty years. Um, the uh, Islanders-Oilers uh, rivalry was, you know, legendary. So I, those were my, I'm going to stay up late because I can't tear myself away years. And I've been trying to chase that high ever since. <laughs> I was going to say, did it, get, did it get old after a couple of cups? No. <laughs> no, it didn't. You know, just waiting for one here, so I'm right. trying to see what it feels like if they, you know, if they ever do the it's, thing. It's a very valid question. Um, one of the big memories I have from that time is Gretzky played in the Rick Vive Celebrity Golf Classic at the Charlottetown Golf and Country Club. And I was, I don't know, 10, 11, went to see him play in this tournament, and he drained an 8-iron from like 165 yards out, like bounce, bounce in the cup, and as if... You didn't already think he was the Lamb of God. Um, seeing him do that in person was just like such a dear diary moment. Plus, he was dating Vicky Moss, Joey's sister, who had a song called If I Turn You Away on the St. Elmo's Fire soundtrack. And it's still a bop. <laughs> this is well, news to me. I've got some homework here. I did not know that. Yeah, you really do. Yeah. The next wow. produced by David Foster. The next time me and the fellas are in a little group fist fight, I'm going to put that tune on to set the tone. <laughs> Yeah, so it'll be less quiet. Is it weird? Yeah, I did. I did think with that fight a little bit. It'd be weird if there was like one guy you could just hear a little bit of silence, and one guy be like, "This is strange. What we're doing is <laughs> is, is odd. We're at work." Well, I love when they're mic'd up and they're like, "Bro, see you in Muskoka this summer." Yeah, man, good tilt. Yeah, like <laughs> you get to peek behind the curtain a little bit, right? Yeah. Oh, when they man. thank one another for fights. Sends yeah. me when they yeah. thank one another. Like, 
Yeah, thanks for the tilt. It's like, yeah, thank you for punching me in the head and letting me punch you in the head. Although I don't think uh, anyone has that relationship with a kachuk. Like, I think those are real punches. No one's like, should we? Yeah, I think we should. Everyone agrees that has to happen. I always, I don't, so Keith Kachuk said that Matt Kachuk had a very punchable face. He said that about his own son. He did an interview and he said, but it's crazy because Brady looks just like Keith Kachuk. Brady Kachuk looks like if Brady Kachuk went missing and they aged his photo, it would look like Keith Kachuk looks like now. And Matthew Kachuk looks like, frankly, his wife. So he said that, and then he said that Matthew Kachuk is a very punchable face. And I was like, I'm not sure you've unpacked what you're saying, Keith. And then did he say, and Brady is frankly gorgeous. Like pay himself some nice compliment. I don't know if anyone has ever seen Brady Kachuk and been (laughs) like, that is gorgeous. Look at that man rocket. Yeah. He looks like the first draft of a statue. Oh my is that God. too mean? I mean, it's, he'll have a fine life. Um, <laughs> he'll be all right. I think he'll do all right. Is is it? I mean, it's crazy because it's looking like, especially this year, it's been like, oh, Connor McDavid isn't like a franchise player for this era. He's just like a all-time, once-in-a-lifetime, or arguably maybe twice-in-a-lifetime kind of superstar. What is it like for you like being around that now and also juxtaposing that with kind of seeing Gretzky do the same shit when you were younger and like not only watching them on the ice, but like how it's different in your life, I guess, and to be in a different place. I think um, being around that is overstated a little bit. It's not like I'm traveling in the same orbit and it's really to get to witness that up close and personal is an experience I have not had. Yeah. Um, sure. But it's not lost on me that, uh, like, the Taylor Hall of it all and uh, Eberle, Nuge, we have had a whole bunch of young superstars. We have had a whole bunch of um, crazy opportunities. I think uh, we had five kids in our family, um, kind of from a salad of uh, parenting options. And my mother estimated that she made 100 birthday cakes and only ever burnt one, and that's the only one that the kids ever talked about. So we can have Connor McDavid, we can have Taylor Hall and Yessi and um, Drysidel. All I can think about is why can't we also have a Chris Pronger or a Lundqvist or someone that would actually make us viable contenders? Because it's it's like uh, Goodwill Hunting, and I feel like I'm Ben Affleck and Connor McDavid's Matt Damon. And the, the best part of my day is the walk to his back porch, hoping that he'll be gone. Even though for my, for my uh, dreams and hopes, I hope he stays. But I have a feeling that one of these days he's just going to be gone and that'll be kind of the right thing for him, as hard as it is for us to stomach. He's a bit of an unusually, even for a hockey player, his, his presented persona is very dull. Like Wayne, I remember I've seen old clips of Wayne, um, Wayne Gretzky, and he's like on a soap opera and stuff. I can send you a clip. I forget what soap opera he was on. Yeah. But I was like, man, he was on Connor McDavid on the soap opera. I always yeah. wondered what would happen if Gretzky like turned out to actually be a really good actor too. Like what would have happened if that was something else he was insanely good at? Like where would that have all gone? That's the one little like what if story. Uh, the only thing that Wayne Gretzky didn't accomplish, I guess, is his acting career. 
A friend of mine went to camp with Wayne's cousin, whose name was Tim or something, and he was terrible at hockey. And when they'd get together in the winter to play pond hockey, no one wanted Gretzky on their team. Like, imagine having that last name and sucking at hockey. That would be hard, too. Um, alas, it is... Uh, I'm so tired of the, the interview verbal tick that starts with, yeah, you know, uh, obviously, uh, you know, anytime you win the World Juniors, it's a big moment. Well, you've never done that before, so that's not obvious. And if it is obvious, why say that? Um, Connor obviously uh, falls into that kind of interview uh, patois. Interestingly, Jack Eichel today, I don't know if you've been following that story, said Jack Eichel's got to look out for Jack Eichel. You know what I mean? That's the quote with a you know what I mean at the end. And that suggests... He 90s wrestling promo. I know. He's like, that suggests there's some winking and some lines to be read between. And it was so unhockey. It was the problem, I think, with PK in Montreal, wasn't it? Too much personality, too much bravado, too many flashy suits. And people were like, hey, voyons donc, you Um So that's why he wasn't a good fit there. But I stayed in a hotel with uh, an NFL team. And those guys aren't afraid to stand out and be themselves and bring swag and personality. But it is really frowned upon in hockey. Yeah. Which is a shame because it's just more, it, it's, it's just so dull. I think part of it is, is anytime someone does say anything, the media will like freak out about it. So I think it's kind of, it might be kind of like a self-preservation thing on, on a lot of their instances. I remember Dion Phaneuf, when he was with the Leafs, they, he would just march out and he would just say, just like not look at anyone, just make eye contact with the floor and just spit out cliche after. And you could see his jaw just twitching. He was so <laughs> mad, but just couldn't. They just I know, but imagine, imagine you're, is it Jonas Siegel? Is he the Leafs beat guy? Yeah. Yeah, imagine being... Jonas Siegel and having to write something new about Dion Phaneuf every day and the slump they're in every day and the game against the Canes for the fourth time this season, like, that's a tough grind too. So I guess you just don't say anything if you can't come up with anything original. But that Eichel thing, man, it it sounds like the Sabres didn't want him to have surgery on the herniated disc in his neck, right? Yeah, which is crazy. So that's why he's like, Sabres going to save. If you have, if your team is bad, even if your team's not bad, frankly, but if your player's like, hey, I think I need neck surgery. And then they're like, I don't know. I think you need to play these meaningless games in front of no fans. Like, preserve your guy, man. He's like your only hope. It's been a a rough year there for sure. One thing I noticed, he's the only, like, not often do you see locker room clear out day where they're not at least wearing a ball hat with the team logo on it. He shows up in like a black hoodie, white shirt, plain black baseball cap, and just starts heaving grenades. It was wild to watch. Like, it- Have you ever read his game day routine? It's wild. Like have a cold bath, go to Sobeys, get romaine lettuce, go back, 20 minutes shutdown, another cold bath. Like there's something like three cold baths every day. Six Take apples. Stick, all that stuff. Is yeah, it six apples? Six, six apples a day, I do believe. And he wears Normatec pants twice, which Wait. I, I don't, yeah, I don't know how his legs are still connected to his body. I don't even know what those pants are. Is that like Cooperall? I don't either. 
they're, I think the, like they are compression pants, but they're hooked up to like some sort of uh, like almost like when you use the blood pressure thing in a pharmacy, like it inflates and oh, okay. constricts stuff. Yeah, but they're they're full size pants. See, he's wearing them twice a day. Blow my mind right now and stand up with those on. <laughs> that would be a story I would tell for the rest of my life. <laughs> and then here's the kicker. He stood up and he had the pants on. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> yeah, they, they wouldn't let him go get neck surgery. They trapped him in a, in a pair of Normatec pants and he just couldn't yeah. go anywhere. He missed his neck surgery. I also wouldn't think that there's that. We don't know what that is now, but there's probably a Swedish, like probably Matt Sundin right now has, is, is negotiating a deal to sell those and they'll be huge in five years. Normatec. You just need an umlaut. That's all you need to make anything legit. Normatec. Normatak Panson. Um, so we have eight minutes left. Do you have a favorite hockey memory? Um, no. Yes, I do. Sure, I do. Crosby scoring the golden goal at Vancouver. Oh, yeah. Where like, were you? Uh, emotionally, I was in a good place, you know? <laughs> um, that's good to that's hear. what you meant, right? Yeah, totally. Uh, Kind of a crazy story. Um, this guy I know is a Mountie, and he was on the roof of BC Place when Crosby scored the goal because he was doing security and felt all that energy come up through his legs and into his body. Can you imagine that eruption? Wow. Oh, another great one. I was waiting for a flight and at one of those like Frankie Tomatoes kind of places on King West in Toronto, just putting in a couple hours, when the women won the gold. And where was that? Remember they hit the post within like 20 seconds left? It was in Canada, USA. Haley Wickenizer was playing. Would that have been at Salt Lake? Would that have been, uh, I want to know if they want to sign it? Would that would have been yeah, the year? Uh, yeah, it must have been the year. Uh, I think that might have been 2002, maybe. They had our dressing room on, uh, they had our flag on the dressing room floor, and I did have one question. I want to know if they want us, us to sign it, which is yes. one, of my favorite, one of my favorite hockey quotes of all time. Who uh, said that? Just, was that Haley? I believe that was Haley Wickenheiser just screamed it into the mic as she people were obviously rules. celebrating. And it was like, I just got one question. I want to, I just, I love that memory so much. That Amazing. Really well, was that? Hockey Canada quotes. Was that Tessa Bonham smoking cigars on the ice at the end of the game? Was that the same year? Yeah. I think so, yeah. I believe They're amazing. Old. People got so surly about that. I absolutely loved it. Same. She's taking two pulls on a wine-tipped Colt. Like, as you should. It's the best, like, punctuation to any scenario. Yeah. There's always a bit of... Uh... A bit of huffing and puffing about like, hey, you're not celebrating the best moment of your life properly. <laughs> right. Whereas the best moment of your life involved ripping off your shirt at Sean Majumder's apartment. <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not here to judge your journey. That's what you felt <laughs> in that moment, right? <laughs> okay. Well, I, you, you know, I, there's I, only one way for this podcast to end. Was that it? <laughs> No, everyone going tarps off and <laughs> This is the Even best moment of my life. People across the nation cleaning their apartments and driving yeah. off your shirts. Their shirts off in unison with us. Normatech pants. Tarps off, Normatech pants. <laughs> pants on. That's There's the uniform. Halloween costume. Bjorn Borgundis. Crocs on feet. 
and Baria Salming sneakers. Yes, I think yes, of course. In all in all seriousness, um, obviously, obviously uh, Connor McDavid is uh, in the conversation for one of the best players, maybe uh, in the game's history. But you you can't really compare him to someone like Sidney Crosby, whose resume has so many actual accomplishments. Mm-hmm. I do. You guys feel the same way? I think like I if you look yeah. if you look at the list of things Crosby has done as a captain, as a player, as an individual, as a member of a team, it's pretty hard to argue. One thing I always come back to with Sidney Crosby is like we were this close, like so close to losing it all when he had those concussions, like so close because even if he had given up at that point, he really didn't have much left to prove. He had the Stanley cup. He had the Olympic gold medal. He had the rocket Richard and the heart. Like there's not many more mountains you can climb. Mm-hmm. We were just so close to losing that. And then he comes back stronger than ever does back to back cups, which is unheard of in this era, throw in a world championship of hockey and also a con Smythe for good measure. And those things uh, just unbe- like an unbelievable amount of hardware for that guy. Yeah. McDavid has 10 years to make that up, though, just to, uh, just to defend your son. Yeah, yeah, that's totally fair. Um, I guess the point that I'm making is Crosby, I think, was the first of this new generation of takes eight days off at the end of the season, and then he's back to doing burpees on Citadel Hill. Like, while everyone else is closing the palace, he's like, what yeah, is that pictures shadowy of figure? On his, on his, uh, hung in his gym, his opponent's. Yeah. A guy beats you with yeah. a cup and you, you hang a photo of him. Yeah. I did not know. He's doing Gatorade commercials in Norma Tech pants at the Halifax Forum 20 minutes after his season ended. Like, dude, he's he's so dialed. Like that kind of tiger mentality. One of my favorite, like the Pittsburgh Penguins did this big thing where they go around delivering season tickets uh, with the players and Sidney Crosby goes into somebody's house and they're like, oh, you know, I knew a Pittsburgh Penguin was coming, so I made cookies. And he's like, no. <laughs> he's like, I don't eat cookies. Really? And then they were like, well, no. Then the lady was like, he's like, I know you're an athlete, so they're whole wheat uh, oatmeal raisin. And he's like, okay, I'll have one. And he, like, it shows him taking a bite of the cookie, and he like smiles as if the smile is like, I haven't had this relief in like 13 years. It's like his first cookie in forever, you can tell. Wait, so the Tim Hortons commercials, he's not eating Timbits? Oh my uh, god! Oh I mean, <laughs> I mean, the I was going to say, I think Nathan McIntosh would pound a Timbit. Oh yeah! I think he probably is pounding Timbits. I'm living in a Timbit. <laughs> That's <right>. yeah. <laughs> wow, it's uncanny. Um. Oh yeah, it's like he's here. Okay, so we have one minute left, and as a I, as I think if it was a video podcast, we would take our shirts off to end it. But I will ask you, what is your uh, best advice to? Canada, at the last leg of the pandemic, you are our unofficial therapist in this country. So I'm wondering if you have any advice you'd like to give. Uh, and also, thank you very much for taking the time to come to our show. Was that you used the entire minute teeing up the last question? It's over. I have no time left to say anything. My advice to you is this. Keep it simple. Things are really complicated. I have found making my life simple, retreating, nature, walks, dogs, ice creams, all the things that existed before COVID to remind you of the simple pleasures in life. Now's not the time to uh, be doing 
big, complicated, crazy things. Now's the time to plot and plan and dream and scheme for when the world opens up, which it will. But keep it simple. Board games, cribbage. Tarps off at your friend's place. You know, the simple pleasures. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Good to see you, fellas.